If Mashiach knocked on your door right now and said, Hey, we're going home. Are you ready? What would your answer be? How is that connected to my daily faith? What does Zionism have to do with Mashiach? When I pray for Zion, what does that have to do with the Zionist movement? On this podcast, we will attempt to answer these questions and, of course, many more. Feel free to submit any thoughts, comments, questions that you may have about Zionism, life, Israel, Mashiach, all of the above. Join us for this amazing journey of bringing Mashiach home. Okay, so let's begin with the question of where does Zionism come from? I think it's fair to say that all Jews are, by definition, Zionistic, which means they may not identify with all the you know, Zionist movement um, elements, but I think every single Jew who prays and believes in God understands that Zion, which is referring to the Holy Land, to Eretz Yisrael, is a place of holiness and Kedusha, and somewhere which we, we daven to return to very soon. We say in davening every day, three times a day, V'techazena eneinu b'shuvcha letzion b'rachamim. We daven to, to, that our eyes should be privileged, should see the returning of the Shechina to Zion to Eretz Yisrael. We also know that in Tehillim we say, we say the Pasuk, God has chosen Zion and is yearning to dwell there. Right? God has chosen us. Um, has chosen Bachar Banu Mikola Amim, and he has chosen Eretz Yisrael Mikola Aratzot, right from all the other, you know, beautiful places that exist upon earth. God has ultimately chosen Eretz Yisrael as the Holy Land, and furthermore, we all know that God has promised Avram Avinu and our forefathers the land lezarachan natati ta'aretz azot right i will i will I have given your children this land referring to to eretz israel god uh, creates a covenant right he's kores bris uh, with avram and with avram yitzchak and yaakov and it, it it essentially lays upon two foundations the yerusha Right, the inheritance of the land and the building of the special, the chosen nation in this land. So, and we all know the famous words of of David Ben Gurion when you know when he was talking to the British, and he said, "Our mandate is actually the Tanakh; it's the Bible." Right, that comes way before any any homeland that we need, any anything that we're looking for. Where it all comes from, the Tanakh. Right, so I think everyone agrees that you know the Tanakh is valid and true, and we all believe in the Torah, and we believe in David HaMelech and Tehillim, and this is not something that anyone argues about. But essentially, now we have to look at the movement and the Zionistic movement and understand, is this a movement of Kedusha, of holiness, or is this a movement of 
complete chal, complete, you know, non-religious people that they that decided that they're going to, you know, create something in a land which has inherent Kedusha, in a land of Eretz Yisrael. But you know what? They're calling it Zionism. I do not have to identify with their movement. That has nothing to do with my Geula. That has nothing to do with Mashiach. It has nothing to do with me. And I'm waiting for the day that Mashiach comes and then everything will be okay. So... We have to understand, like, it, what is this movement? It might be a movement of Kedusha, but it might not. And, and, and therefore, I think we all have to think about this, because unfortunately, it's not something that's spoken about in many circles. Obviously, in the religious Zionist movement in, in Israel, it's probably the number one topic, you know, way before any other topics. And unfortunately, in other circles, it's probably not even on the roster. So... Uh, I want to start with a mushal that I think is so powerful. And this, this mushal is brought by uh, Rav Teichtel. Rav Teichtel was a very, very special Rav um, who actually was a very big anti-Zionist. And he was, throughout the Holocaust, he actually, I guess, came to a recognition that he has been making a mistake his whole life. And he came out and wrote a beautiful sefer called Eim Habanim Semecha. And it's all about the mitzvah of Yishuv Eretz Yisrael. And he tells the following story, Mashal, and I think it's very, very beautiful. And he says, you know, once upon a time in the shtetl, there was uh, an, a man and he was the Gabe of the shul. And of course, the Gabe of the shul takes care of all the shul's needs and a lot more. And one of the main, you know, the main things that he would do is he would roll the Sifrei Torah and, uh, you know, take care of the Hanukkah candles and uh, make sure the Megillah was ready. Throughout the year, that's the Gabbai's job. And he would call, obviously, call people up to the Torah and so on and so forth. Of course, comes the week before Rosh Hashanah. And that's when the Gabbai had a very, very special job. The Gabbai would wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. We'll call him Moshele the Gabbai. Moshele the Gabbai would wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and he would go around knocking on people's doors and saying, Wake up, wake up. It's time to say Slichis. Time to say Slichot. Time to say I'm sorry. Rosh Hashanah is coming. And Moshele was such a pure soul, such a Yid, such a holy Jew that everyone would mamish jump out of bed and say, if Moshele is calling me, wow, give up. He is an amazing shaliach to really awaken my soul and to bring me to come to shul. And every year, slichas would be packed throughout the entire week before Rosh Hashanah, including Aser Simei Tshuva all the way until after Yom Kippur. Sure enough, Moshele the Gabbai gets old and his time comes and he passes away from the world. So, Moshele's children all uh, left town a long time ago. None of them live nearby. And it's only his wife, his poor old wife, Rivkele. And she's so worried that now Moshele is gone. And at least he would get, you know, he would get his monthly salary from the shul, from the community, because of his gabos, of, of his job. And now what would she do? So after the Levaya, sure enough, the Rav and the, you know, the community representative come into the house and they say, Rivkula, we just want you to know you have nothing to worry about because your husband, Meshla, was such an amazing Gabbai. And for over 50 years, he served his com- our community with such, 
with such integrity, with such beauty, we would never let you go hungry. And of course, we're going to make sure that you get paid. But, you know, of course, anything that was done outside the shul, you can still continue doing. So she said, amazing. And of course, she would take care of the tzedakah events and, the, you know, who knows, whatever events that were going on. And she took, care, she took care of all those things. Comes along the week before Shoshana, the next year, and Rivkula is thinking to herself, you know, I don't know if it's so appropriate for a woman to, to wake up, you know, men in the middle of the night, 4 o'clock in the morning. It's a little dangerous to go outside. So what's she going to do? So she comes up with an idea. And she goes to Jack's house. And Jack, we all know Jack. Jack is the guy who hangs out with the Goyim. You know, he's sitting out in bars late at night. And, you know, he's up anyways. So she figures she's going to ask Jack for a favor. And she'll say, Jack, she said to Jack, Jack, listen, you know, if you could please wake up the people for Slichas, you know, you remember what Slichas is. He says, yeah, sure, no problem, you know. Rivkala, we go back a long time. Your husband, Moshele, he did me a few favors back in the day. He lent me some money. Of course, I'll wake up the people. So sure enough, the first night of Slichas comes by, and Jack is all excited. He's sobering up from his long night at the pub. And he starts walking down the streets and he's banging on people's windows and doors and saying, Hey guys, it's time for Slichot. And sure enough, people start opening the windows and doors and they say, Jack, what do you think you're doing? You're such a hypocrite. You're calling me to Slichot? You barely daven. You barely keep Shabbos. How dare you? How do you have the audacity to call me up for Slichot? What the? <laughs> no way. And they just went straight back to sleep. Sure enough, a few hours later, you know, Slichas there was a big deal. So a few hours later, they get up for Shachas, of course, and they go to Shul and they see the Rav waiting there. And the Rav says, you know, what's Pshat? Every year, everyone shows up to Slichas. What happened? Why? How come no one showed up this year? And people start saying, well, you know, I mean, you know, we were woken up by Jack. I mean, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, here at this point, and now there, there's actually testimony from a man named Mordechai Rosenfeld. I'm not sure if he's still alive, but he actually heard this mashal from Rav Techtel himself. And he says, Rav Techtel Mamish burst out in tears. And he says, of course, yeah, the Tzionim, they don't keep Shabbos, and they might not even eat kosher. But at the end of the day, they were me'orer, Am Yisrael, they woke Klal Yisrael up and they said, Rabbi Sa, it's time to get up and get out of where we are. The Gaim hate us. They do. We don't have a safe place in the world other than Eretz Yisrael. And Rav Techtel concludes and he says, we did not listen. And he, and he continued and said, Halavai, that we should be Zaychet, to be Metaken, to, to fix what we have done, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu should accept us in the Holy Land. This is Mamish, Mamish words from Rav, from Rav Techtel himself um, in, uh, to, to, that he spoke to in a community in Slovakia, talking about how at the end of the day, yes, it's true, the Zionist movement was not founded on the foundations of Torah and, and Halacha. That's true. However, it was a calling of awakening. And if we cannot be open-minded enough 
to hear a calling, no matter who it's coming from. You know, we have to be able to learn from every single person. Even from, from a guy we have to be able to learn from. So if we can't get over the fact that the Hisairus didn't come through the, the, the clea that we're used to, that it's coming from a big rub with a white beard, and this time it came from a non-big rub or, or lack of a rub with a big black beard, right? But we have to be open-minded to accept that. So that's just a little introduction of the origins of Zionism. Until next week, Shea Shavuot Tov.